Spectre Cinema Club episode 151, Branson Reese on Letterboxd says about the host, Early on when the Steve Buscemi monster is attacking people in the park, there's a quick shot of a dog just going to town on its owner. Seems unrelated to the monster, but the dog was just looking for an opening to kill its master. Right on. Hello, hello, welcome to Spectre Cinema Club, a podcast obsessed with the horror subgenres found within. Uh, I'm your host, Garrett McDowell, co-host, I guess. There's Devon Taylor. He's the actual host. Other co-host. Other co-host, host, yeah, you know. I, we both use them interchangeably because yeah. it's like kind of like, you know, that's who, whatever. Who wears the pants in the podcast relationship? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I know I do like the producing, uh, like when we have guests, I try to kind of lead a little bit more, but when it's yeah. me and you, it's, you know, it's it's a different Just vibe. one happy family. Cal's here too. Yeah, we were we were actually supposed to have a guest today, but uh, Jenny is sick, so uh, wish wish a uh, friend of the pod, Jenny, uh, uh, some some yeah, healthy a wishing. speedy recovery for sure. Hopefully, she doesn't have the uh, the virus in this movie. No, I hope not either. She is, she is not the host. Uh, we hope not. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, we're talking the host because in a couple of days uh, from recording, at least, is a uh, Bong Joon Ho's birthday. Happy uh, birthday, uh, Virgo King. We love a Virgo King. Um, it shares the same birthday with Sam Neill and Amy Winehouse. Ooh, that's nice. Fuck, Mary kill. <laughs> <laughs> that is actually kind of tough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, I'm fucking Amy, of course. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I Sam Neill, he gives me no. I'm Marion Bong. Yeah, for sure. I, I'll, I'll kill Sam, Sam Neill for I, sure. Sam has said some questionable <laughs> things in the past, and Bong yeah. Joon Ho just seems like a real sweetie, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine just uh just a uh, movie nights at at uh with oh, Bong. Oh man, we we love a talented king. That that would that would be so fun. Uh, do you know who any of your uh shared birthdays are? Um, Steven Spielberg is one. Oh nice. Uh, Brad Pitt. Uh, nice. And uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin, <laughs> uh, which is also another very interesting fuck Mary Kill too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what about you? Um, I have Clint Eastwood. Nice. I have uh, Colin Farrell. Okay. And I have Brooke Shields. Brooke Shields, right? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, who's my third random one? I was like, oh yeah, Brooke Shields. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Now we just need to see like uh, wh- whose celebrity birthdays would win in like a I don't know a three on three basketball game. <laughs> I've yeah. got Steve and <laughs> Brad Pitt's my point guard. <laughs> Stone Cold Steve I, Austin's my center. I mean, oh, you're <laughs> oh yeah you're killing you're killing um and yeah uh, we wanted to do bong joon ho he didn't quite have enough i mean he has like exactly like four genre films that i guess we could have yeah. covered to do a full month but i was like let's go ahead and just spread it out sure and uh but you know he's such a, a big name and of course like you know him winning uh the oscar for parasite was so big for a south korean film very in well general deserved. and very well deserved uh we i covered that on the third episode of the podcast it was a solo episode and Ooh. uh went went 90 minutes just me on oh, man. yeah I, could, <laughs> I couldn't contain myself on that one there's uh, so much to love and discuss about that movie truly that's one that i think definitely deserves like uh, a redux for sure because yeah I, i'm sure even in your 90 minute discussion you probably didn't even cover everything oh know? yeah uh, yeah i definitely would not be upset going back into that one for sure because that was also i think i'd only seen it like a couple times at yeah. the at the time so now i've seen it i've seen it quite a few times i've got the criterion uh mm-hmm. the black and white version didn't it doesn't 
hit as much as much as I love black and white. It doesn't you quite know, hit. I'm not a big fan of the whole black and white home media release. They did it with Mad Max, which bewilders me to this day. I actually day. like that one. I don't get it. I, I like that one, actually. It. Like, take one of the most vibrant, colorful, like, beautiful movies of all time and make it black and white. It then, changes the tone, though. Uh, and, like, but, like but with the, <laughs> but, but I'll agree, like, in the, with Parasite, though, it kind of, uh, took away the kind of richness of the film right uh in a way and um you know because i because i mean i do that i mean i did that as a photography series for a while i mm-hmm. would take film stills and then recolor them in black and white just to see you know what what it would uh, be like so yeah. you know i'm always intrigued it, you know it doesn't hurt to have it so yeah. like, i'm never mad that it's there but you know sometimes it works a little bit better than I, others. I think it is funny because anybody could make any movie black and white you just go into your settings no, on your tv no. and change the contrast no and the it's saturation not the, no it's not the same <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same like you you literally have to do them scene by scene to you know account for different lightings and stuff you can't just put one general nah, setting over it, it. Nah. it's not how it works people because <laughs> uh, I, I, yeah that is always uh, kind of the case and um but i really i've only seen from uh bong jun ho i've only seen parasite now this and snowpiercer i haven't seen uh his other films quite yet uh you've seen snowpiercer i know you've brought up a movie math a couple yes times. uh snowpiercer is uh excellent also uh, a big fan of mother uh and uh memories or memoirs of a murder i think it's memoirs. memories of a murder i think I it's mem- it was memoirs i think it's memories Huh. Well. I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Memories of a Murder. Um, uh, I've seen both of those. Uh, really, really love uh, all of his films that I've seen of his. Uh, I have not seen Akja, which has been on my list since it came, or my watch list since it came out. I just haven't made the the time for it. Yeah, which seems interesting because I feel like Okja probably has some parallels with this one. Parasite has a lot of parallels with this film for that sure. I'm excited to get into as well. And uh, yeah, uh, I mean, I really liked Snowpiercer. We could have thrown that in Cannibalism Month mm-hmm. um, if we if we really wanted to. Yeah, Accidental Cannibalism Month. <laughs> I mean that that like that scene, like like because honestly, I think that is one of Chris Evans' like best acted scenes when he's telling that story and yeah. like reveals it and stuff. Like it, like that is that got me. I was like, yeah, God damn, when he said babies taste best. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> It's been a hot minute since I've seen that one, and I, I think uh, after Parasite, a lot of folks, including myself, like went on this, like, what else has this guy made? Like, I need to see uh, everything, because Parasite was uh, the second film that I'd seen from him. I'd seen Snowpiercer, and the movie that we're discussing today was actually, like, where I kind of started for... Uh, I want to see more of kind of what this guy has up his sleeves, and apparently, uh, this is this is the weird little slimy monster is, <laughs> is hiding up his sleeves. The Host, released July 27, 2006, directed by Bong Joon-ho. This was written by Joon-ho as well as Han Wan-jun and Baek Chul-yun. And the cinematography was done by Kim Hyun-yoo. And the uh, score was done by Lee Boing. Do you say the B? Would the B be a soft? How do you do it? You can't oh, really do know, a man. soft B. I, I, I can't. You can't phone a friend on this you, one. You can't, you can't really <laughs> do a soft B. Uh, Lee Byung-woo. Um, is how I'm going to say it because we're going to have to say it again uh, next uh, in a couple of weeks because he also did the score for uh, Tale of Two Sisters as well as a mother for Bong Joon-ho. Mm-hmm. And this was edited by Kim Sun-min. 
uh, box office. This did uh, $89.4 million worldwide against its $11 million budget, so pretty successful. From what I understand, it was also the highest-grossing South Korean movie of all time at the time, uh, which is uh, cool to hear for sure. Oh, wow. And uh, can you guess how much it did for uh, the, the U.S. haul as far as uh, this goes? Well, see, I, I guessed pretty high on Train to Busan, so now I feel like i got to really put it a lot lower. Uh, this was after Memories for, of a Murder, so I maybe you know some of that had kind of made its way to the United States. I'm going to say still probably no more than like 3.2, maybe? Uh, 2.2. Ah, that's close. 2.2 off. Uh, here in the States, but uh, still did uh, fairly well overall. Like, I mean, that's a, still pretty good. Uh, again, um, I think... Uh, I haven't seen the other ones, but I'm almost positive all the Rotten Tomato scores for this month are above 90, which is uh, pretty fascinating. Uh, this one is a 93% on 155 reviews. So, uh, you know, we're going for the cream of the crop here with the, the South Korean films. Uh, what do you think the letterbox average is? Um, I think the letterbox uh, girlies like it. I'm going to say uh, probably like a 3.7. 3.8. Ah, point one off, as bitch. usual. A million usual. off, and then point one off. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, you know, this is uh done pretty well, and uh, I remember this got a big surge, like you said, after uh, Parasite won the Oscar. Oh, you yeah. know, people were kind of going back and seeing what other films he had. Um, and then it also got another big surge. Uh, that I noticed whenever I was like looking through letterbox reviews was a lot of people were watching this in the early stages of the pandemic. Hmm. Uh, you know, with the quarantine stuff, and we'll definitely get into uh some of uh the you know government conspiracy stuff. Yeah. Uh, happening in this one so uh yeah it, it was very interesting watching it now for the first time because mm -hmm. i don't know if it would have hit me as hard if i saw it prior to the pandemic because like with the pandemic in mind like this movie hit like in a way that i was like this is really yeah. fascinating and like eerie on like it being 14 years ahead of, yeah. uh, of what happened kind of one of those interesting like you know prediction movies <laughs> yeah prediction movies but also it's the way that he is able to criticize culture and government and those in power and how they kind of use their power in these precarious, dangerous times, you know, I, I think it's not surprised that he has this kind of prophetic view of things. And uh, it seems to be true across the borders, certainly. And obviously the United States are uh, are uh, a key part of the, the the plot of the film, but I think that what he has to say about just governments and bureaucracy in general was really applicable to also how our government handled you know uh, the pandemic and all of that. So yeah, definitely excited to uh, get into that. Yeah, and, I, and I'll go ahead and lead that into like my my initial thoughts for this one because with the way that he approaches that, like what I appreciate is like he, he handles both sides really well. Like he makes it like he makes a you know case, uh not only makes a case for each side, but then also like makes like shows you like kind of like the, the silliness at times of both sides as well. Mm -hmm. And I think he like handles it in a very fair way that like I think people were like kind of surprised by how the hunt was. The hunt was like advertised in one way, but then when you actually watch the film, I was like, they're giving like everyone a pretty fair shake and like no no one's kind of safe from the critique sure, in this. Sure. So I kind of, uh, I, I did like that. Uh, this movie, it's a little shaggy. It's not as clean and precise as um, the other two films of his that I've seen. Um, but the clunkiness like kind of worked in a way um, and how everything would be kind of erratic and thrown together when you're kind of hit with this disastrous situation and uh, people trying to figure stuff out. So it like, right. it matched the energy 
of the film as well as uh, our titular like super ass messy family mm-hmm. uh, that we'll get into as well. Um, another bad dad story, and I, right, <laughs> and I'm assuming Tale of Two Sisters has also got a bad dad in there. It's I know that's also family yeah. oriented, so we have a, a like full second subgenre for the whole month. Well, also themes about like how governments are treating disease and how media plays into that too. So there certainly is a lot of uh, overlap here in an unexpected way for uh, Train to Busan, which we discussed last week. Yeah, and this is you know another kind of classic like. You know, the, the monster is representing something like the monster is the problem in this, but it's also like everything else is like just as bad. Mm-hmm. And I thought that balance was like very fascinating because uh, Bong Joon-ho, like he, he loves to juggle subgenres, of course. And like I said, with like kind of the um, pandemic vibes of it, it's like it's all it's like kind of interesting how it like kind of represents the pro and anti-vaxxers and like like in a interesting way like yeah yes you shouldn't always believe blindly like what the government is saying but like you also like can't choose to ignore things that you're seeing right in front of your face that you can't deny of course you know so it's like i like that we kind of get to see both sides of that and uh really great score uh you get used to the monster effects after a while uh they're not the best but they're not the worst either but uh uh the biggest surprise in this is it is darkly funny mm-hmm. like some of the like real dark comedic because like parasite has some you know comedic moments but still kind of playful in in parasite this has like some like really bleak comedic beats that i was like god damn bong you like yeah. you you're wild for that one he's always I had a got, few moments like that yeah he always has this kind of twisted sense of humor and he is a really funny person and seeing him on kind of the oscar campaign trail when mm-hmm. he was uh uh around that parasite time you can see his kind of twisted sense of humor too and i think that that really bleeds in into a lot of the films that he creates but yeah i would say this is probably his funniest movie which you wouldn't necessarily expect but i think yeah this and certainly parasite do have their own kind of macabre sense of humor for sure yeah and uh i i found it all fascinating even the setup of it is like kind of comical but uh we'll get into that here in a sec let's go ahead and hit the 60 second synopsis for this one you ready i'm ready all right i got you here on the clock in three two one go as we said, uh, we got another story of a bad dad. Uh, he's uh, pretty irresponsible. He's kind of uh, absent-minded father, um, but is not too busy with work. Is just kind of lazy and is just not terribly responsible. Uh, but he uh, works at this food stand really close to uh, the Han River, located in Seoul, which has been polluted uh, over the years, leading to the mutation of its wildlife. And one monster in particular uh, uh, emerges from the river and begins attacking people. Um, and captures this man's daughter, takes her into the river, into the sewer, and it's up to this man and his family to go up against this creature, the government, and everybody else to try to rescue the daughter and get her back. Boom, with plenty of time left. And, and there is like actually like a lot going on. It's like a very kind mm-hmm. of frantic uh, story and kind of a, um, structure structure to the film. Um, so I, I kind of cut your initial thoughts off short. So no you go ahead and lead into that as well as uh, kicking off uh, the subgenre stuff. Yeah, well, while, we were, uh, while you were talking, I went back and looked at some of my Letterboxd reviews. And apparently I actually saw this before I saw Parasite, which was interesting. I, I thought it was the other way around. But I think that considering Bong, Shun, uh, Bong Joon-ho's sense of humor, like I had just mentioned, and just kind of his overall filmmaking sensibilities, I think when I first watched the movie, I just didn't quite understand 
what he was fully going for. And I think on a rewatch, uh, it certainly worked a lot better for me, but it's still not up there with some of his best work, not even just Parasite. I think Parasite is, you know, one of the best films of the century. And so I'm not necessarily comparing it to that. I just know how good of a filmmaker he can be and how tight his movies can be. They're like a fucking snare drum. This for me is just not as solid. I think it is a, it is a good creature feature. I think that there's a lot of moments of humor, a lot of intrigue and insight into how, as I mentioned, government operates during these times of crisis and how the media plays a role in that and how this relationship during uh, this relationship with this family kind of, uh, is uh, happening parallel to, to all of those things. Um, I think the creature design is really cool. I just think as a creature feature, it's just not as tense or as threatening uh, or as even scary as I would kind of like it to be. I think that this movie starts off with almost too much of a bang, you know, like the initial scene where we see the monster is so memorable but it's also for me like one of the best parts of the movie uh and to me i don't think that the rest of the film is quite able to reach that high and i think it is a case of like you know uh have a bit of a poker face uh, you don't don't give a, uh give up your cards too too soon i think that the the creature in this movie and kind of uh, its menace is just revealed a little too early on. And I would have preferred to, uh, you know, have it be in the shadows or obscured a little bit. That way we can kind of, you know, your, your typical kind of Jaws formula, something like that. But I think that the movie is still able to offer um, enough intrigue, whether it comes to how the police or the government is trying to locate this family. Uh, you've got the daughter who is trying to escape from the the sewer. I still think that there's enough there to keep me engaged. I just think as a creature feature, it's not quite as tight as I would like it to be. I still think it's a very solid movie. I just don't think... I, I think the, the gap between this movie and Bong Joon-ho's like next best film, I feel like is pretty wide. I think that Mother, Memories of a Murder, and Parasite are like leagues better than this movie, uh, which isn't to say that this is a bad film. I just think in regards to his filmography in particular, it's not my favorite. Happy birthday, though, still, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'd say it's about I like it the same as Snowpiercer, um, but definitely not close to to parasite but yeah uh yeah and i think you know the the creature feature is almost a bit of a letdown just because there's so much more than just the creature feature and like i was very yeah. surprised by that i thought this was like kind of a more just like kind of focused on the creature and like i thought it was gonna be kind of like a little bit more uh streamlined like yeah. kind of like fast-paced uh type of film but of course this is a you know nice hefty two-hour film and it uh it's it's kind of like a start and stop between um you know we get the like you said the the big bang with uh the the initial attack and everything and then like uh and then you get the aftermath and then it does kind of slow down when we're kind of like um you know formulating the connections amongst this family right and you're kind of seeing that stuff and, and it does kind of get a little sloggy in the way that goes and I wasn't expecting it to take place over like the amount of time that it did. You know, this is like a like a over the course of at least a few days, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I, I kind of thought this was going to be like a like more contained uh, like kind of creature feature attack. Sure. Um, because there is a lot more like a government conspiracy stuff in it than I thought that there was going to be. Yeah. Um, with this uh, kind of contagion angle, because, you know, they they see this creature. And then, of course, the first thing that they assume is like, of course, you got a disease like yeah. it's, it's got a disease and it's going to be a virus. And it's going to, you know, and like. There's literally like 
no signs of that anywhere. Like they literally fabricate this virus aspect out of nowhere. Right. And like that's and like that's very interesting to see play out when they're trying to make that the priority rather than no, I need to go rescue like you know like i'm telling you i'm getting phone calls from my daughter like she's alive there's other people alive like yeah let's go like let, let me do this and they're just like no 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 this virus and yeah. so it's like uh and and i really felt that like once because once it got to that portion that's when the film started picking back up for me once um once a uh, gong is brought in and they're doing all the tests on them and stuff yeah, like that. Like right. that's when the film, the like, started lobotomy pick- and yeah, yeah. That, that's when it started like picking back up for me. And I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm in now. And mm-hmm. then like, it really finishes off in a strong way uh, for me uh, because it's very upsetting as well. This is a very bleak film. Uh, we already kind of mentioned the dark comedy um, aquatic horror. You know, we just finished up a whole section on aquatic horror, and this would have fit right in. Right. Um, river based. We didn't have any river based ones uh last month, mm-hmm. so uh, so this uh gets that quota. If you were still uh, yeah. thirsty for a little bit more aquatic horror, um, but the the dark comedy is such an interesting place because I want to start there with like the way that the movie is set up with this. You know, uh, you see these like two uh, like either scientists, mortician people. I don't know. Like they they work in a lab. Yeah. And uh and the uh there's a you know South Korean guy and then there's a a, a American and uh and the american's like an old white guy he's the boss from uh scott something scott wilson i think from the walking dead alum uh, we mentioned walking dead last week so had to bring it again this week oh, <laughs> oh look at that i think it's like herschel i think is the character's name yeah well yeah and uh and it's just so funny that it's like he tells them he tells them he's like you need to dump all this formaldehyde down the sink right and then and in the way he says it it's just like he is like just being so comical and the way he's saying it he's just like the guy's like yeah if we dump it down it's gonna go into the river and he's like yeah so <laughs> uh, he's like the river's so big he's, yeah he <laughs> says it's so vast you need to be vast minded too and then <laughs> he's like, like damn i didn't think about he's that just like start now and then like when the camera pulls out to the comical amount of formaldehyde bottles yeah. i was just like what the hell like yeah. this is like so ridiculous so like uh using the dark comedy to like really set it up like kind of yeah. sets the tone in an interesting way for me uh what do you think about uh the way that it is also pointedly a american person you know given this instruction versus you know this being set yeah. in south korea yeah well there's a real theme of like global uh, globalization in the film which i i feel is really present and i think a lot of the american characters are often characters of either like blind ignorance or just lying you know uh trying to cover things up or or, or get away with something uh one of the earlier characters uh is who is later revealed to be like a a a soldier who tries to go and save people uh but who just ends up getting themselves uh not killed but like very very dangerously injured and then there's also like this other scientist guy who who is speaking in english thinking that the other characters can't understand him but you know he's talking about how the virus is uh fabricated and a lie and just kind of created to not you know cause panic with this uh monster uh being out there so yeah there is this real kind of ignorant american sort of uh you, you know the white savior kind of uh archetype happening in this film which i i thought was particularly apt especially like in in this time in the uh mid 2000s to where uh 
Big Brother in America was certainly present where America was going into places that they didn't really belong and trying to uh, assert themselves and assert their uh, American culture in places that they don't really need to be at, you know? So I, I think the, they're definitely deserved of a lot of criticism that can be found in this for sure. Yeah, my second favorite Letterbox review was, yeah, America's the real virus, am I right? <laughs> and I was <laughs> Got like, him. I was like, yeah, I was like, pretty much. Uh, so yeah, I, I really like the setup. And uh, speaking of cartoons, uh, let's talk about our bad dad here. Uh, we got Gong Du, yeah. who is, yeah, like he's floppy. He falls asleep randomly. He's always falling down. Just like, just like so aloof. And yeah. uh, and is such a fascinating character, uh, played by uh, Song Kang Ho, uh, yeah. you know, Parasite alum. Um, uh, we uh, mentioned him in Thirst uh, back in season one, uh, which is a fantastic Park Chan Wook film. I love Thirst. Uh, yeah, I, I remember I mentioned it to you when we did um, the the Vampires Incinerator right, episode right. as well. Um, but yeah, Song Kang Ho uh, is uh, such a fascinating performer, and this character is like very interesting. And I love that Bong Joon Ho is very interested in these very messy, complicated characters, uh, yeah. very flawed, like you know. And it's uh, them kind of having to uh, prove themselves, but like in such a like drastic way. I saw somebody. Um, oh, it was a friend of the show, Jay. Uh, described it as like taking these like very flawed characters and putting them through this you know baptism by fire with like sure. this like you know truly traumatic you know in you know instance and like cow. Dad's trying to make a point. He's trying to make a point, man. <laughs> and and it's interesting of like yeah like having <laughs> cow asshole. Okay, tough guy. Look, he's, he's got his danger stripe. Yeah, there's something about you know, traumatic events, like kind of forcing these, you know, complicated characters to step up and like truly dig right. down into like, I know you have something in you, right. you know, that is redeeming and like, you know, and, and, I've, and I found that very interesting with like his character, especially compared to his siblings. Mm -hmm. uh, one of them is a, you know, national finalist, a bronze medal. She didn't win the gold because <laughs> uh, she can't because she has a slow release, apparently. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, but she's still she's a, you know, decorated athlete athlete and mm -hmm. then but then you have uh uh I, I love a good drunkle uh hanging around in here uh who is an unemployed uh but like former political activist apparently yeah um and that's where he like has his like connection so it's like yeah the dynamic between them and like still um how the the their dad how grandpa like kind of treats them still like children mm -hmm. in a way even though these are all full-ass adults and uh, and seeing that dynamic play out was like very fun. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, still not quite the the parasite family, but like this family is like again like just very messy and goofy. Like even when they're mourning, yeah, they're like exactly. flopping around and screaming, <laughs> and they're fighting with each other. One one of them's drunk. Like you know, it's just like goddamn. Like y'all yeah. are just too much. Yeah, I really I think that is probably my favorite thing about the film is this familial relationship i think all of the characters feel really distinct and memorable um the grandfather character who is kind of the this shop owner who really does seem like he's you know um kind of dim-witted but truly has this heart of gold who is like trying their best and you know his kind of slacker son who you know had this daughter accidentally but because of his 
because of this like simple mistake, he yeah, his daughter ends up getting taken. There's that great scene where the monster first attacks and uh, his daughter comes out of like the little restaurant hut thing that they have because she was watching her sister uh, uh, compete on television and he just like grabs her by the hand and runs and there's this great slow-mo shot of her kind of looking around and just bewildered because she doesn't know what's happening and then they stumble and he grabs you know a hand and continues to run but grabs the wrong hand uh of a a different girl different little girl also in like kind of a school uniform and you know accidentally leaves his daughter behind again the the comedic timing of that edit was like I laughed so hard and I was just like no <laughs> it's like it like pans over and it's just a completely separate person with like her with glasses, dad or, yeah, like not even her like... dad or whatever being like like taking the daughter by the hand and is like why is the stranger you know grabbing her hand but yeah uh, she ends up getting taken but I, I like that that moment isn't a moment of like stupidity it is just a moment of like it's an honest mistake, honest mistake. but also hilarious yeah but also how do you explain that to somebody you know but i i think the the funnier moment to me is when uh they are trying to like hunt down this this creature and they uh, have like a couple of different guns and they're like going after it and the grandfather is like you guys go to the car i'll take care of it and he like he's like how many how many shots do you have left and he's like i've got one and he gives him the shotgun and he's like facing down against this creature and pulls the trigger and here's click and then like looks over to his son who's and got then, the finger counting yeah he's counting how many and shots again i went no hilarious like, yeah like it is so funny the like, fact that he because of his stupidity gets two separate family members you know killed hilarious yeah there's uh, there's like because like all of them have a moment like that which is really funny because yeah. like there's um one where the the brother he like has his epic run you know he's chasing the monster down throwing molotov cocktails at yeah. it and he's like looking like a badass i was like yeah fucking get it drunk uncle like it's about time you brought something yeah and then uh, whenever he's like uh ready to they douse the monster with you know gas and he's mm-hmm. ready to do the final one he just drops it. <laughs> yeah. He winds up to throw it and just drops it behind this him. This entire family is just a big <laughs> pack of morons, which I do think kind of makes them endearing in a nice way is that you're you're seeing this family who's like bickering and arguing and like pretty, you know, not capable, but they're trying their best. And what keeps them together is like trying to rescue this little girl. So it's nice. I, I, I think I I could understand if some people were saying that like, you know the the incompetence of this family kind of leads to some tonal dissonance I, I i think that could be a common complaint with the film is that there's this tense monster you know uh creature feature but then also this like bumbling three stooges family who's like trying to navigate it all but i think it ultimately makes the movie really endearing and has a lot of heart to it yeah no i mean and again like there is something like we've been talking again a lot about bad dads and there is something interesting about this subgenre uh because i i actually wrote a uh, a piece that was in a uh, a digital zine um, about the bad dad and parasite mm-hmm. and um, you know about like you know the way that you try to atone for your mistakes like that you know you kind of make um, along the way and like you know when certain parents like aren't good at being parents out yeah. the gate and like that's like kind of the thing here is um grandpa says like oh well when gong do was a kid like i was drunk and working all the time right. and like got he got lost in the sauce and he was like and the mom wasn't around so he's like, Gong Du was taking care of himself right. and like he wasn't eating enough. And that's the reason he sleeps so much, which was like <laughs> really cute. And then but then there's like um, but then there's a scene. It's uh, it's so it's very fast and, and kind of brief. 
Um, but it was like such a like it really makes like the the sacrifice that the grandpa does make at the end um, hit even harder is whenever um, the family um, it gets outed as like oh they came in contact with the monster right. so we got to quarantine them and like so they're like getting quarantined and they have to bust out so they like call I don't know this group that does shit they were like, yeah they're like this weird gangster like this mercenary like covert crime yeah. group that is just like able to kind of they get blueprints to the sewers they also like they get got vehicles, guns and cars they got and yeah so, so they do this like little fun breakout scene which i thought was a, yeah. bit, a little mini heist in there i, I love that which you've got I, the douchebag cop who's like chasing after him and is like falling over <laughs> they just push him off the van yeah he he's like on. trying to grab him. they just you know with the palm to his head Mm -hmm. but yeah so they so they have this you know fun little breakout scene and then you see the grandpa having to uh you know pay up to the to this group right and he's like oh i did not think it was gonna cost this much money 14 grand or whatever it (laughs) is and he's like and so they and they like literally just take everything like we take all your cash we're gonna take every credit card give us all the pin numbers yeah and they literally take everything like he gives up everything Mm -hmm. in this moment and whenever you know he meets back up with the kids and the uncle asks, like, how much? And he says, oh, it was, like, 400 bucks. Yeah. And so he, like, completely lies about, like, you know, how much he, like, just had to give up. Mm-hmm. And then his kids start roasting him yeah. for being, like, that's ridiculous. Exactly. I thought the and same they thing. roasting yeah. him. And it's, like, and that's, like, such a great image of, like, what it's like being a dad. Like, you know, like, you, you don't have to always... You know, like, you know, uh, you know, look like the best role model, but like, you know, you're still doing the right thing for them. And like, I thought that was like a really like sweet scene. Yeah. They're like talking shit about like the guns and the car that they have. They're like, you paid this much money for this. And it's just like, he's just sitting there at the wheel, like like, trying his best. (laughs) Like you, like you guys literally don't even know. Yeah, exactly. And again, like the fact that this is a, you know very old man with his adult children mm-hmm. you know but still treating them right. like that uh is uh is a very fun uh family dynamic for it um uh, but yes and then and the movie is also kind of split between um we get the the flashes back and forth between um the daughter uh gets kidnapped um but we find out that um the monster doesn't always kill and eat people it, yeah like, it's got like swallows little, them whole it's sometimes got, it's got like a little nest of people that it looks like a little midnight snack if it, in case it gets a little peckish in the evening yeah so so they're like down in this cave and you're watching her she's uh she's 13 and uh like kind of like watching her like navigate this own like kind of solo survival mission mm-hmm. where she like you know finds a little hole to hide in whenever it's like coming back and forth and like you know like uh every time it would like puke up another body she would like check to see like what belongings they have be right. like oh do they have a phone do they have this and like tying the jackets together mm-hmm. i thought that was like really fun yeah i could have did it feel too detached for you no i i honestly could have used more for it because uh, more from it because I think there is a lot of tension to be found there and I think for myself that is kind of a missing ingredient of the movie and that was some of the most compelling stuff for me it was when she was like trying to escape the scene where she has all of the clothes tied together with like I think it's like a nightstick and she's like throwing it over this yeah. gate trying to like mm-hmm. you know trying to climb it I I could have used a few more scenes like that. And one of the most memorable scenes in the movie is when she is climbing that rope 
she kind of just stops and there's this great shot. It was like reveal shot of like the camera, like pulling back. And then you see like the tentacle around her, her waist and the creature just like slowly puts her down. Like, no, 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 No. that's enough. You know, it just puts her on the ground, but it's, I think it's really effective. And I thought that that was like a pretty chilling shot of this creature, just like calmly grabbing her. And it was like, that's so great. I was like, yeah, go girl. She's going to run off his back. I was like, she's doing it. And, um, and yeah, because it, it, they, only do it for like a little bit it's like i feel like they should have either a like you said like kind of spent a little bit more time with that yeah um or b do like kind of what they did at the beginning where it was like the mystery of like well is she even actually alive and like kind of um if they were gonna be more vague about it then it's like then show less but then yeah i feel like they started showing more of it especially in the second half of the film because they had to build her up because uh, I, I was like, all right. I was like, we got two kids here. I was like, one of them's going to die. Who's right. it going to be? Exactly. Um, and so they, you know, start showing her more in the second half. So that way the, the ending, you know, hits you a little bit harder whenever yeah. she does eventually. Because, yeah, she eventually kind of makes a little friend. There's this uh, these two homeless brothers, one of whom is like the small child, and they end up getting taken to this place uh, too. So she kind of befriends this little boy and tries to keep him safe. But, yeah, he eventually is the one who kind of not necessarily like takes her place but uh, ends up living with her dad at the end of the movie but even that too I would have preferred to spend a little bit more time with this kid there's a really sweet scene of the two of them where he's asking questions about you know where she lives and uh, he's asking questions about the little like bodega food thing that they have and he's like oh do you have this food do you have this food and she's like yeah we have it all and it's just like naming all of these different things and yeah that that interaction between the two of them I thought was really sweet but I definitely could have used um, a lot more of that. I, I think it really, again, adds to the heart, adds to suspense, makes that final sacrifice even stronger. And then not only that, but makes the reveal of the little boy living with the dad now also, I think, a bit more, um, you know, uh, impactful. So, yeah, I could have all around just the little girl in the sewer I could have used more of. Yeah, like it, it was like a, it was upsetting because because even though it was like kind of sweet, like, OK, like the boy gets to, you know, get adopted and, mm-hmm. you know, live in his dream, you know, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, You know, is like with okay, all the food, too. They're like sitting at the table it's like and just having a little feast. Yeah. It's adorable. And it's like that's sweet. But then also it's just like it's so interesting for, for Gong Du that like now he's like, yeah, OK, now I'm trying to be a better parent. But then also like every time I look at this kid, I'm going to be thinking about my dead daughter. Yeah. That is not here instead. And it's like it's uh, so it's like it's sweet, but it's also upsetting setting like yeah. I, like like uh the emotional journey he's gonna like kind of have after this is uh is very fascinating and and yeah so it's like i i, I could have taken a little bit more of that because um with uh their interactions too that's um you know uh bong jun ho is always interesting kind of class mm-hmm. uh kind of structures right. and things like that and you know the the park family they're they're not you know all that well off or anything they're pretty much just like kind of all struggling to get by besides mm-hmm. like i don't know I, I assume maybe the sister since she's a athlete maybe she does make a little bit of money but like yeah. everyone else isn't really yeah, doing the, the so other well. brother is like a college graduate but uh doesn't have like a, a, a job to use his degree in so and he's also a drunk so yeah they're all kind of these uh, uh misfit toys yeah so it was like an interesting like a uh, perspective shift to where you like kind of we've been watching this family and then it's like okay and 
and then we like kind of go even lower than that in a way right. where you have these kids that are like oh and and even like it was like very sad the way the boy said like oh yeah we don't have one home we have many homes and it's like mm, yeah not quite kid I, but i feel you like <laughs> as someone that like whenever i moved around a lot as a kid and then like yeah. uh you know angles like that and, like even at points in my life when i was like my, our family was like living with another family it was like so it was like when he like kind of said that i was just like ooh, i was like that one that one hurt a little bit yeah and and you know and then when she describes you know kind of the lifestyle that she's a little bit of embarrassed mm-hmm. by you know she's because you kind of get that at the beginning like i wish we got a little bit more with her at the beginning with the family as well like you know right. uh to kind of flesh out their dynamics a little bit more um we get little bits and pieces but like she's like oh well uncle showed up for career day but like one he doesn't have a career two he's drunk and three he's my uncle not <laughs> yeah. dad yeah, yeah you yeah, know yeah. so it's like um you know so we do get like little bits of that but um but for her to like kind of you know be like oh like but to someone else like my life sounds fucking amazing you yeah. know so I, I thought that was like a cool like little perspective to do with these children yeah i think a lot of the time when we're not spent with the with this family we are kind of examining this governmental uh disease perspective and you had talked about how this had really hit harder in like a post-pandemic time and i have to agree because like i said i went back and looked in letterbox and i saw this in april of 2019 obviously like way before the pandemic and so now having seen it with like these post-covid eyes uh, i think a lot of that hit harder too and like i had mentioned how the government is able to use these times of crisis in order to take advantage of, of certain people and to kind of either hype things up or underplay other things in, in an order to either cause chaos or confusion, disinformation, all of those things. It's it's hard not to watch it now and to not think of, you know, the pandemic and COVID and all of that and how our government responded to it. Oh, yeah. There was a line that like literally sounded straight out 2020 where they're in the car and the uncle's. Uh, questioning the virus and the dad goes if the government says so we have to accept it yeah. and like literally just like leaves at that like yep but like because um the response is they're like okay so apparently they're making claims about this virus but and it's like funny like you said they they do this to not stir panic about the monster but then you're gonna stir panic about a virus instead right. it, it is kind of like very weird but yeah. i don't know if it's Again, like maybe so that way people aren't thinking about the monster like too much on like, okay, how did this monster come about and then start Mm -hmm. poking around and find out like, you know, the the chemicals in the water because they mentioned they were going to test the water, but then they never do. They never be like, oh, we found, you know, a concentrated amount of formaldehyde in there. Yeah. And that's, you know, kind of what led to this versus, um, you know, formulating all these other things and then their response to it. Is like okay, well, we're gonna um use this uh, ye- uh agent yellow gas to, to yeah. hopefully kill the monster and everything else in sight and the virus. Uh, hopefully you don't have the virus and won't die. <laughs> um, but if you are in the radius, then you're gonna bleed out of your orifices and die. Yeah, yeah. And it's just like, uh, wait, what? How yeah. did we get here to this point in a yeah. matter of three days? Yeah, and there's also like a nice environmental perspective as well. Like you had said at the beginning of the movie, there's this very like very obvious pollution angle too. And so as we had talked about with like Creature of the Black Lagoon, there is this real, and you had already kind of. Uh, 
uh, alluded to it, but this idea of like the humans are the real monsters and like just like like a Godzilla thing is like these man-made monsters uh, kind of coming back. And I love the design of this creature. You had mentioned the special effects. I personally think that for 2006, they're pretty damn good. Considering a lot of the effects in this movie are showing the creature in water, meaning like you have to have like CG water and water physics and all of these things. I think considering how long ago this movie came out and where CG was at the time, I think that this movie is very, very impressive um, CG wise. I don't think that there's only one scene where the CG kind of actually takes me out of the movie and it's at the end with fire uh, and everything. The CG why fire is CGI is fire is the worst and it still has not gotten better. That's the yeah. funny part of uh, like watching it now. CGI yeah. fire is like still the worst thing in the it's world. It's a lot <laughs> of stuff. It's like it, you treat it like a gas or like a liquid. It like kind of behaves like both. It's it's in you know it for being 2006 it's like oh, it's a ways away off considering like mm. you had said in the year of our Lord 2023 CGI fire is is still not really something that we're able to do like flawlessly. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the the design of the creature and how it has like, it looks like it's almost got pieces of other fish like hanging yeah, out does. of it. It like, had like fins, it yeah. had a few yeah, 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 like yeah. little mini arms yeah. and like tails and stuff like hanging off it. And, and it was like kind of, it was obviously like amphibious. So yeah. it was like, I had like the two frog legs right. that it like did. It's and, able to like hang from its tail and shit. And like, which kinda... it, so, and what I'll say is like, I didn't, I didn't think it looked bad. It mm-hmm. was just like, it did have like that, that uncanny look to it that, but also this is like a monster yeah. that doesn't exist. I don't sure. have a frame of reference for sure. it. So like who, am I to say if, right. if it looks accurate or not you know so it's like um I think it the design is like good enough to where it's like we can see like you said all those different details mm-hmm. the way it has like a mouth inside of a mouth and like and, and then another mouth like inside that too and right. like uh, and in even um and they had to sacrifice too because it's like it's very kinetic like the way that moves is like very fun the way the yeah. the chase scenes the way it like um when it's like under a bridge it like swings like from its tail to right. the legs and like back yeah. and forth and stuff like so like I loved all the like movement and like uh things for it uh, uh didn't really make too many noises I uh, uh, it did finally have a scream at the end mm-hmm. uh whenever um whenever it's lit on fire which it did have a voice actor for which I love oh cool um uh yeah uh shout out to because uh, I, I was it reminded me of uh the the scream in Anaconda which is uh, voiced by Frank Welker um and so I thought uh that was like uh, kind of interesting uh O Dalsu as the voice of the Guomul is mm-hmm. uh the way that they call it which is basically translated to monster it doesn't really yeah. have any like lore behind it well, or anything yeah apparently they had also referred to this as the steve buscemi monster uh not just i guess because of how it looks physically but based off of his character in fargo oh um, i which, thought the letterbox review just like made that up no i didn't the, know that was like no, what that, it was actually referred yeah, as in production that's what they referred to the creature as is like the steve oh, buscemi monster which is very cruel uh, I, I must say poor steve, <laughs> poor, steve. Poor, poor one out for steve um but yeah I didn't I didn't realize that and uh yeah and it, it was just uh it was very vicious uh I like the the kind of variety that we got between attacks from it as yeah, well like that, uh, that scene of it like running on the sidewalk where you see it just like barreling people over was really cool and just like flinging people in the air was was I was really into that oh yeah there would be like just like some that happened like so fast like yeah. there's like one a guy just like got like grabbed by the tail and just like thrown into a car just like and, yeah. and, it, and the movie keeps going like you don't mm-hmm. even like spend any time on it and uh you know it, it kind of has a uh, moment like that and then um the 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 final or um i really liked in the initial sequence too like a way that they you know could get around some of 
being able to show it was uh, that one sequence where it just like runs into the trailer and yeah. it's, like, gets locked in there Which and has, all these people are like it has awesome setup too because you follow this woman who is like you know kind of tailing behind this crowd of people and they're all filing into this big trailer and she tries to get in there but they shut the doors and she's like pounding on the doors to be let in and then the creature like busts through the doors and starts eating all the people while she runs away like I thought all of that was was really really cool yeah I thought that was really fun um i thought the the um climax sequence at the end as mm-hmm. well whenever you know guang is pissed off after uh, his daughter's died and uh, you have the siblings teaming up using their individual skills right uh like i said you <laughs> know you have, yeah you have uncle cocktail. with the well uh, shoju cocktails which i drink shoju at work all the time because yeah. uh, we have a we have a japanese uh, inspired uh, cocktail mm-hmm but um, uh, we use uh, shoju in it as well. So it's like I thought that was like a really fun little, little yeah. detail. And uh, yeah, so it's like you got him, and then like I say, he he drops the one, but the monster's been covered in gas. So then sister dips an arrow in flame and yeah. shoots it, and then you got she uh, finally takes her shot. You know, yeah. And Guang's like super strong, so he's like you know beating it up with the pole and stuff. Yeah. And it was like it was like a little like Marvel team up moment for a <laughs> second, but with these fuck up siblings instead. Yeah, yeah. I I love that uh, final action scene. Everybody gets like a. a piece of it too i think it would be easy just to have the dad kind of have this one-on-one yeah. fight but i yes. love that all of the siblings are like no we're all pretty fucking pissed at this thing yes. you know i i agree yeah. i agree 100 like again it like and and that was something i didn't uh expect because like in all the um like descriptions of the movie it just says it's like oh a dad is trying to rescue his daughter yeah. from a monster it doesn't mention like the the siblings and the grandpa and like how much of a you know cohesive movie this is and, right and even still like you know we have like the the scenes of them together but then there is a portion of the movie where they all kind of split up and it's like uh Guangdu is being quarantined and having these like experiments done on them. Right. And again, super upsetting. It was giving me medical anxiety. Yeah, I was a, like, I hate like they're like, wait, didn't you give him anesthesia? And they're like, We did and it didn't work. So he's just like feeling it all well there's the scene where they're putting this like preposterously large needle into his neck and he's like screaming and freaking out and one of the other like doctors or whatever is like i don't know what he's going on about like why is he yelling in there and it's like look what you're doing to the man you're like stabbing him with this like quarter inch like fucking syringe like you know take it easy a little bit give him a break (laughs) yeah and then and then meanwhile you have drunkle who like hit up his like uh activist homies to be like, oh yeah, let me get yeah. my contact so we can uh, we can ping the location of the cell phone, right? And, you know, and they do all these things, but then his homie was gonna sell him out because the family is like you said they're being uh, at this point this is like the height of they're trying to nab all the family members, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah. like his homie like you know gives him the location, but also sets him up, and uh, there's a nice little like escape sequence in there where you're like. That again, that's where like Drunkle was like, all right, like it's it's time to like get shit done. He right. like does like he like jams some shit in the power strip and like shorts the lights out and like yeah. jukes everybody out of the room. I was like, damn, that I was, was slick too. Yeah, he takes a paper clip and like wraps yeah. it around like the the prongs of the plug in and he's like, fuck you and plugs it in and yeah, it yeah, shorts but, everything out. It's a cool scene. Yeah, yeah. I was like, like yeah, because like you just see him reach for the paper clip. I was like, what the fuck is this yeah. guy about to do? Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I thought that was a uh, really fun. It it gave me a uh, vibes of um like a. Uh, my character like kind of does stuff like that in our D D campaign nice. he's like a like covert like kind of guy um so uh that that made me happy and then also you have uh like you said uh the sister mm-hmm. uh gets uh trapped in the sewers right uh, she she decides to try to uh go under the bridges and sewers and uh you know 
she was like, uh, there was like spot, certain spots on the map that mm-hmm. she like, I don't know, deduced some something that was like, okay, like this is gonna narrow it down. So it's like, yeah, they, you have them all like split up, kind of doing their thing. Yeah, well, that, he's able to pinpoint like kind of, sort of where it is, which like you know gives her clues and keys her in. So yeah, they're all kind of like contributing enough to be able to find her, which is cool. Yeah, I thought it was a, uh, I thought it was really fun in the way that, and again, it does kind of like break up the pacing a little bit because mm-hmm. again, this is a two-hour movie and like. Um, this is like again before it like ramps up in the in the third act. Um, and so I can see you know people maybe having uh, some some structural issues uh, with this film a little bit. Um, but I mean for real though, like I mean I really love all the performances mm-hmm. in this. I think um, sure. it's a I think it's performed really well in being able to like truly balance all these like kind of um, you know wild emotions. You know like between it being you know like devastatingly sad, but then also like you know whimsical at times and like and and like uh, these like kind of darker elements and stuff. So um, uh, you know I, I can't really think of too many things that like really bother me in this one. Is there yeah. Uh, what what were uh, some of the things that didn't work as well for you? Yeah, like I said, I think it's a lot of it is just tone for me, whether it's like swaying wildly between this creature feature versus this kind of plucky family comedy sort of. Um, and then also it being a monster movie, I could have used a bit more suspense to be had with the monster, um, which is kind of ultimately and we can you know wrap it into some of the the final thoughts i think ultimately if i'm going to a monster movie like this i think i expect some of those things um and i understand why maybe bong joon ho would maybe want to focus on the family drama a, a bit more um but i think for me if i am in the mood to watch a creature feature i don't think that this necessarily quite scratches that itch for me um i really like uh how each of the family members are involved in it i really like the performance performances um, from everybody involved. Uh, I think all of the characters are super distinct and memorable. Um, I don't really have too much to say negative about structure of the film. I don't think that it's like paced poorly. Um, I just I, I could have used uh, a, a bit more zhuzh when it comes to its its uh, horror. Yeah, it's, a, it's a little clunky. It could have used a little oil. Yeah, a little bit for sure. Um, I like the design of the creature. I think it's executed really well. There's a lot of fun sequences in the movie. Great comedy. Um, so yeah, for me, it's uh, I think it's really solid. Uh, what are we What are we rating out of cans of or uh, bottles of formaldehyde? Sure. <laughs> bottles of formaldehyde. Yeah. yeah. Uh, for me, I'm like at a three three point five out of five. It's a solid movie. I just think uh, Bong Joon Ho. Uh, kind of goes on to do uh, bigger and better things. I think that this is a, a, a perfectly fine creature feature. I just don't think it's uh, a terribly uh, outstanding one in my mind. Yeah, I mean, I can feel you there. I guess it's for me, I can also recognize that this isn't a that kind of creature feature, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, this is uh, one of the more, uh, it's an elevated creature mm. feature. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. Um, you know, so so in a way, like, I'm not let down by that because mm-hmm. I really, I was, like, very much into the family stuff. Like, I because I was surprised by it. I wasn't, yeah. I didn't know that that much was involved with this. Um, so, like, you know, I was there, very much there for um, kind of the, uh, just a, a lot of the ways I felt about this. Again, like it's kind of I've been kind of on a drive. Like I've been watching a lot of 
schlockiness or just like you know like whatever like i haven't had anything that's like really stirred up in any emotions sure, sure. in a hot minute and yeah. this one like got them going again I, I was feeling some stuff i was like i felt the warmth i felt yeah. the i felt like the the sadness and yeah. stuff i was uncomfortable at certain points and the points i was uncomfortable weren't even like you said it wasn't like scary from the monsters it was like when you have people in hazmats running around being fucking crazy and i'm just like man yeah. fuck this right. like that like those vibes were like so weird and again, with like the the post pandemic angle, because there were uh, like two specific references that like again got a big laugh out of me mm-hmm. just with like past thought. Uh, it's uh, the one scene where there's sta- a bunch of people standing on the sidewalk and they all got masks on and yeah. they're listening to like a radio transmission, and then like a guy like is coughing, and he takes off his. Um, mask and he spits in the puddle of water and then a car drives by and splashes everybody <laughs> with the water and they all freak out i was like yeah that's fucking funny because i remember like you know when you know during like the the heat of it when it was like you'd be standing in line at the grocery store and then you just like utter out a cough and everybody and just turns around turns and, and gives you yeah. death stare and you're just like i, I swear i'm okay i'm fine <laughs> and then uh and then the second one was um how guang du uh breaks out of his uh quarantine is uh uh, he takes uh, the the syringe with his blood in, and and he's like weaponizing. Yeah. He's like, yeah. you "Want virus blood?" <laughs> <laughs> Just pointing a syringe at people yeah. and like holding people hostage with it. Um, I again that like got a big laugh out of me because right. I was just like that. That's so so fascinating how mm-hmm. um it kind of shook out in that way. And uh, there was one thing I was gonna ask you. Um, at the at one point the monster um because the monster does swallow like things whole but then it does eat some stuff mm-hmm. and then there's a scene where we see it vomit up a bunch of bones yeah do you think uh jean jacket uh would take a little inspiration here do you think uh jordan, i mean jordan peele likes he, he likes bong joon ho i would say that he's certainly familiar <laughs> with this but yeah i i i, I liked that he would kind of keep it in the corner of its mouth and like save it for later and yeah. then like cough it up and like eat it later i thought that, that was like really weird and unsettling and like i want to know if like were people alive during that because i also think about that scene in nope where it's like digesting everyone and you hear like the screams of everybody and yeah i i I have to imagine that would be pretty uncomfortable but yeah i i wouldn't be surprised if jordan peele uh was was it was in the know you know I have to have a feeling it is, but uh, yeah. Again, I said this movie is shaggy, but it's a little, but sturdy though. Like this is mm-hmm. a, it's a, it's a nice, you know, full movie. Um, and again, like I, I'm intrigued to watch it again and see if I like it a little bit more, even because I don't know. Uh, I, I am still digesting it a little bit. Like, and I, I haven't puked up the bones quite yet of <laughs> of this film. Yeah. Um, but I am uh, feeling a, I'm feeling a four. I'm nice. feeling a, a nice even four out of five uh, bottles of formaldehyde on this one. Um, but let's see what other movies we were thinking about while we were discussing the host. Alrighty, here on Spectre Cinema Club, we like to end our episodes by playing movie math. Uh, we're just going to take some films that reminded us of the movie that we discussed today and put it in some sort of mathematical equation. Devon, what do you got? Yeah, I kept mine pretty simple. Cheating a little bit, because I may use one of Bong Joon-ho's films, but yeah. like, I was very surprised at the amount of parallels I saw between this and Parasite with uh, the family dynamics. And um, again, like, you know, using their skills in various ways, coming right. together, the way that they are, like, you know, the Parasite family is a more, you know, strong, like, they are the family, they are this family if they, like, liked each other, you know, <laughs> like... <laughs> This family is like they they and they're they're a bigger mess than the the, the parasite family honestly yeah. and um which is saying something which is definitely saying something so it's like 
it was very interesting to see uh, the parallels that, you know, he was definitely like kind of taking over. It's like he does it with each film. Like I'll take a little of this one, leak it into the next one. Then I'll take that and then I'll leak it into the right, next one. Right, right, right. So, um, so yeah, so Parasite in, and again, even like, um, uh, the, those escape scenes like felt like the little heist montages and Parasite. So mm-hmm. like, you know, there's, uh, there's some similarities, the score. Is uh, also kind of interesting in the way that like kind of dictates the tone of the yeah, film. Yeah, it's kind of goofy at times. It's it's, it's super goofy it's at weird. times, yeah. and then but then it gets like really like dramatic and sappy. So um, I just have Parasite multiplied by the Blob, the nineteen eighty five one that we covered by Chuck nice. Russell. Um, because again, the way that it kind of would section off the action going on with characters doing different things, the way that's the monster, but then like, you know, the government is really totally. the monsters for sure. Um, you know, all those uh, kind of similar elements, uh, mm-hmm. felt very similar to the blob. So yeah, I just got those two multiplied together. What Sound, about you? Sounds like a certified banger to me. Uh, I have the beast from 20,000 fathoms, uh, just like an old monster. Something comes up from the water and starts, uh, attacking people that plus outbreak for also like the pandemic pandemic, government control, disease sort of vibe, people in hazmat suits, that sort of thing. Uh, divided by Little Miss Sunshine, because it's also like That's another group <laughs> of like just fuck ups, lovable fuck ups, just like a uh, misfit toy. You know, everybody's trying their best, but they ultimately like come together to support this little girl and like, you know, try to uh, help her as best as they can. So, yeah, I think it's uh that's certainly like a weird kind of uh, combination, but I think that this movie is full of pretty weird combinations. So yeah. Oh no notes! Like as soon as I like <laughs> scrolled up, I was like, ooh, that was like that's a that's a good one right there actually. Um yeah, so I I totally agree. Um but yeah, um I'm intrigued to again. Um I don't know if the whaling has a bad dad in it, but we'll find out ooh. if uh, we continue on uh, the bad dad uh, train here <laughs> in our uh, South Korean scares month. Uh, again, because I'd never think of the names for these until the second episode. It, that it's we do. okay. South Korean scares is uh, it passes the smell test. Well, it just cracked me up because on the artwork on the first one, it just said South Korea. <laughs> well, <laughs> what else are you gonna say? Yeah. I was just like, yeah, that is the thing, South Korea. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I thought it was funny though. So, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited uh, to continue on with uh, my month of all first time watches. Uh, so, did you see the whaling? Oh yeah, you've seen it already. Yep. Okay, so uh, excited to seep into that one. Um, but until then, uh, what are you working on right now? You guys can follow me over on uh, Letterboxd, TikTok, Twitter, all the stuff at Garrett McDowell. Uh, but also I have another podcast. It's a Star Wars podcast uh, called Scum and Villainy. I've uh, got a lot of Ahsoka coverage happening right now. So if you are interested, um, we would love to uh, have you join our little crew. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've debated almost watching an episode just because, I mean, first you get Rosario in there, and then Mary Elizabeth Winstead. I I'm was telling like, you right now, Devon, it's not for you. It is simply not for you. <laughs> oh, I, I, know it's not for, I know it's not for me, but they are for me. Oh, well, uh, yeah, no uh, arguments I, there. I, I will say that. Um, but yeah, you can hear me um, over on Pod and Pendulum. We are deep into Saw City right now. Um, I have popped in on the Saw 2 and 3 episodes, two of my favorites, and then I'll be popping on for a few more of those, and uh, we're having a great time over there. So um, definitely go over and listen to that, because those will uh, kind of weigh into our uh, Saw rankings when mm-hmm. we do that in October. Nice. Um, so uh, stoked for that. Um, and uh, also, you can uh, check out on TikTok, doing more videos over there, having some fun with it. Uh, even did a TikTok for Blade Disgusting, which was a uh, super fun uh, mm-hmm. talking deadly ambition movies. Uh, some of my one of my favorite subgenres, honestly. Yeah, uh, could definitely do a month on that at some point. But really, we've kind of hit a lot of the ones that I would put <laughs> in there, like a, a good chunk of them. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so so that was super fun. So yeah, make sure uh, you're checking us out over there. But.
Now go ahead and do it for this week's episode of the Spectre Cinema Club. New episodes drop every Tuesday. Subscribe to not miss a thing. You can follow us on social media at Spectre Cinema on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. And if you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, leave us five stars, a nice little review. We appreciate you. But until next time, guys, stay lifted.